When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue, all in the Kroger app. Get three-pound rolls of juicy 80% lean ground beef for $3.49 a pound with a digital coupon. Then get select varieties of flavorful Powerade, Body Armor Super Drink, or Arizona Tea for 77 cents each, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger, less than five miles away. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Do you bleed green? Are you an ultimate Eagles football fan? Well, you're in the right place. Well, you're in the right place. This is Birds 365, hosted by the new Mac and Mac, Jody McDonald and John McMullen. Who collectively have covered and talked about more than 50 plus years of Eagles football. Kick off your day with Birds 365. You'll get debate. We love to argue. You'll get the real story from inside the locker room. And you'll hear from some of the great football minds from around the region. You're about to become an Eagles insider. Get in the game. Join Jody Mack and Johnny Mack and join the football community that flocks to Birds 365. Birds 365 starts right now. Welcome to the NFL. Let's go! Let's go! Go! And a good football Monday, Birds fans. How are you? You got the Mac and Mac guys, John McMullen and Jody McDonald, both going with the uh, Johnny Cash black T-shirt look. Uh, for with you for the next two hours here on Birds 365, and uh, thanks to the forty some odd guys who streamed in early before we ever got this bad boy underway. I'm gonna tell you ahead of time. Uh, yeah, I got no bloody idea how the show's gonna go today. Um, yeah, when was the last time you took a, a power hit at Shea McMullen? Uh, a power hit? Uh, it's been it's been a while. What are you trying to jinx things? Uh, no, 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 no. We took a power hit overnight here at my house. Uh, so uh, I hear my wife uh, screaming at me. I was dead to oh my god, was I sound asleep? And she's like uh, pushing at me and punching me, going. Uh, you know it's seven o'clock, right? Because she knows I get up every day oh, at twenty-five. Alarm. No alarm. I am a guy who usually I'd say nineteen out of twenty times. Once I'd have every twenty, I'll look at the clock, and go, okay, I still got five more minutes. But what the hell, I'll get up. Um, no, I need the alarm to get up in the morning. I when I go out, I go out, and I was dead to the world. And my wife said, uh, "You know it's after seven o'clock." Oh, spit! We got to get going. So uh, I'm already. 
I have 40 minutes behind in prep time. Of what I hear I you. Do. You feel uh, uneven. That's what happens to me. In certain... Now, I, I'm a body clock guy, man. I get up. I'm not. I get up no matter what. And I wish I, I couldn't. Wish I wouldn't. I wish I needed the alarm clock. But uh, now I'm always up. Man. No, my always. only body clock is if I try and get more than eight hours sleep, my back is killing me. I get up and I'm all hunched over. I can't sleep for more than eight hours. Even if I've slept like two hours and three hours the two previous nights, I get eight hours. I feel good about it, but I get up and I can't even move. So, uh, no, I, I need the alarm. The alarm, it was uh, 12 o'clock blinking on my alarm when I got up this morning. So I'm a little bit behind. Hopefully we cover everything we're supposed to cover. We will get an aid from two good guests today, Jeff Kerr. From CBS Sports, who I'm going to uh, give a hard time when he comes on. Uh, and Dave Zengel, NBC Sports Philly, is going to join us. I'm going to give Kerr a hard time because he was at the Phillies game yesterday. I was doing a show from uh, Citizens Bank Park, and he texted me and says, oh, I just passed the great Jody McDonald. He doesn't stop and say hi. He just sends a text to tell me that he was there at the park. He couldn't wait five minutes till we finished his segment to say hi. Uh, we'll punch Kerr up in lesson. He, he had things to do. He was holding court. It was friggin' before Citizens 12 Bank o'clock. Park. The first pitch wasn't until after one. What he had to do? Go warm up his seat? I was I said, holding he, the ballpark, but still. I found he, he, he won a, I don't know if he won, but he finished pretty highly in a bowling tournament. I did so he's probably tweet, celebrating. Yeah. He's, uh, he's starting at 1130 in the morning before yeah. the Philly game started. More power to him if he was three sheets to the win. Uh, but we'll uh, talk all things <laughs> Eagles and NFL draft with uh, Jeff Kirk coming up in less than 20 minutes. And yes, our number two, Dave Zingaro, is going to jump aboard. I, Johnny Maxwell, I do my CBS show yesterday, um, last night, and... Uh, my producer tells me, did you see the tweet on OBJ? And I had not. And uh, I guess all the NFL Network yeah. guys got it because it was Garofalo and Ian Rappaport. Uh, the OBJ, on Saturday I had uh, read that the Jets were bringing him in, going to do a complete so physical. Yeah. And that when you do that, when, when a guy who's been out for an entire year uh, agrees to a complete physical that means they're close to a deal. That they're damn close to a deal. So he's going to be landing with the Jets, depending on what the dollar figure was. I, I was kind of hit or miss on whether it was a good idea or not. We know he's got the talent to be a star wide receiver, but we've seen a lot of OBJ DNPs did not play, missed the entire year last year, and the rumors were out there that he was asking for twenty million dollars for one season, which I thought was outrageous. He got pretty close to it, John. Apparently, he parachuted from the plane from Miami to New York out over Baltimore and got out there and signed a one-year deal with the Ravens for $18 million, $15 million of which is guaranteed. He's got like $3 million in incentives. Um, is this an attempt to assuade uh, Lamar Jackson that the Ravens are really in it to win it and that they oh, need yeah. him and want him? Yeah, no question about it. And those two evidently have been talking for a while about teaming up to win a Super Bowl in Baltimore. So I think this is a clear indication that uh, Lamar's going to be back in Baltimore, at least for the year. Um, and they'll try to, you know, catch lightning in a bottle. Um, but yeah, I mean, uh, it, the Jets did this thing the right. I wouldn't be upset if I were a Jets fan. I'm not paying this guy $15 million. He's played 
I don't know how many that like 21 games in three years. He hasn't, if, if you add up his last three seasons, he doesn't have a thousand yards. And, you know, so this is not the Odell Beckham of old. You know, maybe they catch lightning in a bottle. But I mean, this is like Rashad Penny, you know? I mean, he's never on the field, except you're paying a $15 million, not $2 million. Right. Actually, one six hundred grand for Rashad Penny. I mean, it's a dumb deal, and you're trying to assuage the quarterback to come back, and maybe they catch lightning in a bottle. Yeah, it's possible, but I don't And we talked it's... last week about, the at least my belief, and I take it with me on this, we just disagree on who the best player, best fit might be who's still out there on the free agent market that the Eagles need to upgrade wide receiver three. Oh, we were never talking about Odell Beckham Jr. No. because we knew he was going to get paid something. Eighteen million dollars? Yeah. No, I, I, no. I, I laughed when I read that he was asking for twenty in a season where both you and I have agreed and talked about this plenty. There's a couple of positions in the NFL that really didn't get paid this year. The cap went up again. Uh, it will go up even more in future years because the TV contracts are going to get more uh, uh, heavily funded. And uh, we're believing that teams are pushing money down the road because of that, uh, because of the even bigger salary cap increases. But it increased a good chunk this year. And it hasn't been all that visual in the free agent market. A couple of guys, a couple of positions got paid, but not all of them. And up until Odell Beckham Jr. signed, the wide receiver market wasn't all that vibrant either. That's why I was thinking maybe the Eagles could get a talented player at wide receiver three for another bargain basement type deal that Howie Roseman has been cutting plenty of them during this offseason. This is an outlier, right? This isn't. Uh-oh, yeah, Odell. but especially at this point, it's an outlier, you know, where everybody's budgeted and the fact that he got this much money. And, uh, you know, and you mentioned, I, I think the highest paid uh, receiver on the market before OBJ, at least a- annual, was Alan Lazar. Oh, it's the Jets, yeah. Yeah. The Jets so, are going to have number one and number two if they signed Odell Beckham Jr. Yeah. So, and you already have Garrett Wilson with the Jets. So what the, I I never understood the bit other than they want to do everything to make Aaron Rodgers happy when he arrives, similar to what Baltimore's doing. Boy, these quarterbacks have some power, man. Um, But uh, I never understood that the bit from a Jets standpoint, I guess if you get him for 10 million or something like that, all right, you know, who cares? Yeah, a whole bunch of incentives if we're talking – uh, five to ten million and another seven or eight million incentives. Well, then he blows out his knee again. Then uh, guess what? You don't yeah. get any of those. Well, incentives. and even one year. I mean, the one thing, and I think you brought this up last week. Nobody's, everybody's getting one year deals. And and I forget who we we're talking with, and and I agreed with them. Maybe you remember. Um, there's not as many dumb teams as there used to be. So even if you sign, like I think this is. A, pretty dumb contract but they had to go where they had to go but at the end of the day it's one year right and you're done with it so i mean how bad could it be uh, you, you kind of forget about it you you take your medicine it's over and you move in another direction next next season so i think you know there are fewer dumb teams um and you know there are more short-term contracts um, 
And yeah, I mean, you can get out of it. Worst case scenario, he plays six games again. You get nothing out of him, 300 yards, 350 yards. And again, it's bad for one season, but you're out of it. So I can't be too over the top. But yeah, I mean, I was stunned how much money he got. Uh, Again, 2019, I'm I'm just looking it up. 2019 is the last time he was over 1,000 yards. So what is the difference? You know, 2020 played seven games, uh, 2021. Well, he did play a lot of games, but then tore his ACL. Because remember, he went from Cleveland to the Rams. So it's actually uh, two season because I was looking at the split. But nonetheless. You can say three because he didn't play last year. <laughs> yeah. Uh, well, yes, and three because he didn't play last year. So if you look at the three seasons, um, and he would have been able to play late last season if he wanted to, but he didn't want to because nobody was going to give him the money to make it worth his while at that point. So if you look at that, you know, it's probably a positive when you're coming back from the ACL to sit out that entire season. But at the end of the day, I mean, there's, we're talking 2019 before he was even, and, and by the way, in 2019, Jody, he wasn't what he was with the giants. No early in his career. I mean, early in his career, those first probably three seasons, it was, you know, he set the historic records that, Jefferson just broke, you know, he, he was at that level. Um, it's been a long time since he's been at that level. And that's why I always try and uh, educate calls when I go, he's going to be a hall of famer. You can be on a hall of fame track. You can yeah. be trending toward becoming a hall of famer, but nobody makes the hall of fame in their first three years. And in a sport like football, where injuries as prevalent as they are. Yeah. You can have your career career derailed so right now i would no longer say that odell beckham jr is on a hall of fame track he was on it he came off the track we'll see if he can get back on it again with lamar jackson in baltimore good luck with that um but you got to be very careful before you overstate how much a guy has done like you just said he was great three years he was on a hall of fame track He's no longer there. We'll see if he can get back on it. Uh, One other big signing on the weekend. I knew the Eagles were not involved in this. On a uh, Well, I shouldn't say that. Uh, I did feel a couple calls on people saying they should attempt to trade for this player. Uh, Jeffrey Simmons signed a big contract extension with the uh, Tennessee Titans and uh, did take a call or two saying that's who Howie Schroeder. We got an extra first-round draft pick. Let's go get Jeffrey Simmons. And I get it. He's a really good player. He's one of the best defensive tackles in the National Football League. But they just let Javon Hargrave walk out the door because he was going to make over $20 million. So you know that if you trade for Jeffrey Simmons, he's trying to talk his way out of Tennessee. Why? He wants to get paid over $20 million per season. Oh, shockingly, he signs an extension this week for $92 million over a four-year deal. So he got his 22-plus. He basically got Javon Hargrave's contract uh, only with an extra year on the back end. Uh, I know that he would have been a phenomenal fit with the Philadelphia Eagles. But when you've already determined you're not going to pay a defensive tackle that kind of money, a guy who's just gotten you 11 and a half sacks, you're not going to trade for a different one who's a little younger. I get that. But they they have already laid out their salary structure, what they are or aren't going to pay. There was no chance they were getting a guy like Jeffrey Simmons. But I give him credit because 
he is one of the guys who got paid. I guess defensive tackle is still a position you're getting paid at in the NFL, Jay. Oh yeah. That's one of the that's one of the value positions. And look, he's a really good player. I mean, he's he's better uh than Javon Hargrave. So yeah, from that standpoint, he'd be great to have. But you're right, you're in a different phase. You can't just pay uh twenty uh, two million, twenty, whatever he got uh, to a defensive tackle. Because the, how many times have we got to say that the quarterback extension is looming? Um, it's a different phase for the Eagles. You can't go out and just spend monopoly money. Yeah, they do wonderful things with the salary cap and the, be able to manipulate it. But um, that doesn't mean you can have the highest paid player at every position. And he, he's number two now behind Aaron Donald. But um. Yeah, it's a different phase. If it were last year, and and they were looking for a defensive tackle, same team instead of a wide receiver, uh, and it was a similar situation, they maybe could have pulled it off at this stage of the game. Yeah, you can't pull it off. Um, it's just the way it is. Um, great player though. Great, great player. Um, and they probably, by the way, Tennessee was burned so badly by the A.J. Brown stuff that they weren't going to let it happen again. All right, let me, uh, before we get Jeff Carr up here and I give him a hard time for not stopping by and saying hi to me yesterday, um, I want to run a trade by you because uh, I had this conversation again on a broadcast I did this weekend about B. John Robinson and the Eagles sitting at number 10, Peter King, who's a column I read every single Monday and respect the hell out of, um, suggested the Eagles should just turn their nose up at their history and go, yeah, we're going to take B. John Robinson. So we're daring you to stop Jalen Hurts and A.J. Brown and Devontae Smith and Dallas Goddard and now uh, B. John Robinson as well. Good luck. We're going to average uh, 35, 38 points a game. Um I don't think it's going to happen. You don't think it's going to happen. Howie is pretty dogged about some of the stances he takes, and a running back at number 10 is probably one that he's going to stick to. So let's say the Eagles trade out, and we all believe that Howie will be aggressive in attempting to move and dodge and shake and play Monty Hall on draft day because he always does, and he usually gets the better of those deals. Let's say Bijan is the guy that people are targeting at number 10, and that's still... In my mind, value if uh, most of the draft experts have him as the second, third, at worst, fourth most talented player. You're getting him at number 10. Even at the devalued position, you can feel good about it and go, hey, we're getting value here. Uh, so I was looking at teams that I thought might be that uber aggressive that would move up and trade. And if you're looking at it from an eagle perspective, how far down do you want to drop? And what would you get in exchange for it? Let me run one by you a team that I think could get aggressive and move up and get him, and actually look at him as saving money uh, because he'd be on a rookie contract for five years at 50 year would get expensive. But what about the Bengals? We know the Bengals have the probably three best three man wide receiver set in the national football league with Burrow Add a B. John Robinson, their offense would be as prolific as the Eagle offense adding B. John Robinson. They draft at number 28. That's a pretty precipitous draft uh, drop. So you'd be drafting at 28 and 30 then if you were the Eagles. But you're coming out on all the blue chip players to get down to 28 if Cincinnati wants to pay to get up to 10. What would you look for in return if you're Howie Roseman? 
would you rather have, you're certainly going to get their second round pick, maybe their second and their third, or would you rather have another future one? Would you want to see how he kicked the can down the road another year? He's done it a couple of years running now, getting that extra one in the next year. So yeah. he's a big time player in the draft the year after. Would you be willing to drop all the way down to 28 if you were Howie Rose? Uh, yeah, because I want to pick up picks. I, I don't want to pick up the future one. Remember, in the past, they were picking up future ones because they didn't like the, the – they weren't sure about Jalen Hurts. They didn't right. like the quarterback class, and they wanted to be in a position to do something if they had to do something at the quarterback position. I That, that has gone out the window. And now you got to pay the quarterback. So now you got to hit on, on, on guys, and it's a lot easier to hit at 10 than it is to hit at 28. Now, I do think he wants to add, uh, if, for instance, I think he wants, he'll, he'll probably want to trade down from 30. Um, so getting 28 is not as exciting to me. Um, and he wants to trade down to 30 to pick up some mid-round picks because he's got a big donut in the middle rounds there. So that's the way I think – I think things have shifted for the Eagles because they have the quarterback. Those future number ones were about, all right, we don't like Kenny Pickett. Let's let's kick back. Because remember, at this time last year, people have memory hold it. Mm -hmm. The Eagles weren't convinced that they had the long-term answer, and they said, well, next year's Bryce Young and C.J. Stroud and all those guys, it's going to be better. Now, if Jalen Hurts – laid the egg, which he did not do. He did the exact opposite. They might be thinking that way because next year's quarterback class, everybody's saying is better than this year's quarterback class. But that thinking's out the window now. Now it's about getting cost-effective difference makers around Jalen Hurts, and they have a chance to get two right off the top of the bat, right off the top uh, on the first day of the draft. Again, I, I, it wouldn't surprise me if they wanted to move down from 30 to early in the second round to pick up some extra draft capital, because those players, you know, might even be a little bit more cost effective in the same range. But no, I, uh, I don't think they would, they would take that dip. Yeah. Um, tw 28 is pretty far. And again, and the future of number one, not as important. Nah, as nah, it was. You're right. But how he does like having flexibility and, being able to dictate draft. He's going to be a big major mover and shaker in this year's draft, just like it was in last year. And I think he kind of looks forward to it. So that would put him. In oh yeah. Position. He'll move up and down and, and backwards and forwards, but I don't think it's about the future as much anymore as he's got to get some contributors in five defensive starters. You know, you got to replace those guys. You and mean you talk you about think... Nicholas Morrow and Terrell Edmonds and, you know, the contracts tell you the story. They really do. I mean, it doesn't mean they can't do anything, but it tells you that the Eagles are not counting on them to do anything. Um, you know, one year, two million, one year, 1.2 million. It says what it says. Right, because this year they had uh, T.J. Edwards on a one-year contract. And he up and left, and now they have to try and replace him. They acquired C.J. Gardner-Johnson on a – one-year contract, didn't get it extended. He up and left. So you can win with players who are on one-year contract with expiring contracts. 
I'm not sure if any of the players they brought in are as good as the ones that they did watch walk out the door on the defense this year. He's John McMullen. I'm Johnny McDonald. We're the Mac and Mac Birds 365 guys. We're going to add to the Knicks uh, mix another follically challenged friend of the show. Uh, Jeff Kerr <laughs> from CBSSports.com is going to jump in with us here on Birds 365. Imagine for a moment that you went to work today, and when you came home, you were catastrophically injured. Your life and your family's life. That's what happened to union construction worker Mike Little. I was scared of what the end was going to be, but to be 100% honest with you, I knew I was going to be all right just by talking with Brian. In my heart, I just knew everything was going to be all right. Call the firm and find out why they say, we got this. Call 215-458-2222. Here, imaginations run wild and time stands still. Because here, you can find the best of the Jersey Shore all on one five-mile island. So leave the old you behind and get lost in the woods. First Trust Bank is there for you. Because Philadelphia dreams deserve a Philadelphia bank. Go to get your game on. Go for the beers. Go for the cheers. Go for the hit and the hits. Go for the stakes and the stakes. Go to get your parlay on. Go to get your party on. Go for the scene. Go for the screens. Go for the gallery. Go for the win. Go to Ocean. Visit theoceanac.com to plan your visit. Monday here on Birds 365, show number 502. We, we, we are so glad to have Jeff Carr here. We missed by two shows of getting him on our 500 show, which would have been uh, fitting because we enjoy Steve. Uh, Jeff, don't call me Steve, Steve Carr, Carr yeah. whenever he hops on our show. Uh, all right, first thing before we get to the whole football thing. Why didn't you come knocking on the window of the broadcast booth I was in yesterday with Glenn Mack now? You shoot me a text afterwards and, oh, I just saw you. George looked great. 
but then you go to your seat at 12 o'clock and had to what? Because they were giving out the rings. You had to be in the seat by noon. What the hell? Why didn't you wait around? Why didn't you let me give you a bro hug? Oh, you were on the air. I don't want to bug you that much. Come on. you we, we do this on the air thing all the time. You wait a couple of minutes, you're off the air. You, you can yeah. uh, shoot the breeze, whatever you want. I'm, I'm sorry. I, I'm sorry. My dad. I he wanted the pretzel. Sorry. Yeah. Sorry. Uh, you know. I, I said he was probably holding court, Jeff Kerr, as the champion bowler. Did you win? I saw you were uh, you were in you were in the running at least. Uh, we finished top ten, or so top ten cash. We finished top ten, so that's first right. time we we finished outside the top ten that tournament the last couple of years, and we just said all we had to do was shoot our average or a little higher. We had two big performances. All right, and... so you got some money to buy those pretzels. That's good. Exactly. That's good. Although. I, 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 you I know, can afford to pay Citizens the park. Bank the park, you might need a couple bowling yeah, tournaments yeah, to couple, buy a couple of wins. Now, where yeah. where did you bowl? Uh, you know where Burke's Lanes is? It's outside of Reading. Reading. Oh, so you had to take a bit of a drive. Yeah, it wasn't that far for me. I would say it's about 20, 25 minutes from where I live. You're you can get to Reading in 25 minutes? Oh, yeah. Just oh, take 422 damn. straight then, down. I, I thought uh, you, uh, then I don't know where Jeff Carr lives. I thought I did. I don't know. But it doesn't matter because you come on here, you stream on with us. That's all we need you for. All right. Uh, Eagles in the draft. John and I were just talking about how, how Howie Roseman's going to move and shake and be all over the place. And I always get tentative about that because we can sit here and we can figure out. I just asked Johnny Mac, would you be willing to move down to 28? How much would you need in return? Well, the other team's got to want it. That's why I brought it up, because I can make a case for Cincinnati really wanting to get up and take someone like B. John Robinson. Do we unfairly just expect how he's going to be able to wave his magic wand and get wherever he wants in the draft? You know, it is fair to think he's going to want to at least trade down. I heard John say about trading down from 30, because you're right. In the fourth, fifth, or sixth round, he won't have anything. And I think there will be a team like, say, Baltimore in 2018 – they traded up to 32 to get Lamar Jackson. And was it a luxury pick for the Eagles? No, but it was a pick at the end of the first round, and they and that includes a fifth-year option. So I think a team is going to find a player they want. And you know, we all know the draft always has these surprise first-rounders and guys that we think are going to be slam-dunk first-round picks, and they're not. And some of those picks are still there, and Eagles have 30 of 31. So you're thinking, okay, maybe they trade up, and the Eagles will get, you know, say a fourth back, maybe a fifth, maybe another third. Who who, who knows what the parameters of the deal is going to be? But I, I think it's more likely that that 30 pick isn't that 30 for the Eagles. Because to me, the 10th pick is a luxury pick. And I think it depends on how the board plays out. If there are certain guys that are going to be available, which I think there are. I, I think the Eagles keep that 10th pick or maybe they even trade up. Well, uh, Peter King threw a log on the fire this morning talking about Bijan. People can't stop talking about Bijan Robinson and the Philadelphia Eagles and projecting him here in this offense. Jody's heard me mention this a bunch of times. I'm going to run it by you, Jeb. In a lot of ways, I, I think having a great running back uh, uh, sort of limits the effectiveness of Jalen Hurts because part of Jalen Hurts's uh, skill set is being the plus one in the running game, helping the running back. Um, if you have a great running back, and I think Bijan Robinson has the opportunity to be a, a great running back, what do you do? You turn around to hand the football off. 
in some ways, I think it's counterintuitive, but I think it would hurt the Eagles offense uh, by, by taking the zone read mechanics, taking the RPO mechanics off the table, especially with a young play caller. Remember, no more Shane Steichen, Brian Johnson, first-time NFL play caller. If you have a great running back, turn around, hand the ball off to the great running back. I, I, I don't want to limit Jalen Hurts. I don't want to limit Jalen. Am I crazy, Jeff Kerr? I don't think – man, this one's tough, John, because I'd love to see B. John Robinson on this team specifically because of what he can provide for him. But I'm just maybe under the impression, and I know you kind of are like this too, I'd be shocked if the Eagles drafted Bijan Robinson at 10 overall. It's just not their MO. They, they're going to draft in the trenches. I, I think we all know this, that yeah. they're going to they're gonna draft in the trenches here. So if Bijan Robinson was at 10 and the Eagles are sitting at 10, I, I think just... they might trade. I think they might trade out if somebody wants them. Not as far as Jody. Jody was saying 28. I think they'd go to 15, maybe 16. If there were a cluster of players that they liked and they felt that they could get one of them, I could see that, but I can't see them taking them at 10 overall. I can't hear. Like, people want to talk about the Jalen Carter thing. I think that stuff is more than legit just because that's, oh, yeah. that's what they do. They, they draft right. players like that. And you add him with a Jordan Dave, but B. John Robinson, it's – they haven't drafted a running back in the first round since what, 1986? Keith Byers, yeah. Byers, so yep. whatever, yeah. whatever year. Well, I'll give you this. I I did the math. I had 16 top 30 visits uh, for the Eagles so far. I could have missed one or two, but I had 16. Um, eight were defensive linemen, either edge rushers or interior guys. Um, three were offensive linemen. Um, Four were corners in Bijan Robinson. And I, I mean, asked that, that kind of tells you the and I always tell Jody themes, top 30 visits are about themes. They're looking at defensive linemen, offensive linemen, cornerbacks. That's what makes, they're looking at. Makes plenty of sense, honestly. And when they brought in Bijan Robinson, I'm like, okay, I I kind of like this. They're they're doing their due diligence with this guy. It's not they're completely ignoring him, and, and you can't because he is probably is going to be there at ten. This is what I think is unfortunate with the state of the running back position. If I looked at, if someone asked me to name the top five players in the draft, Bijan Robinson would easily be on that list. He is that good of a football player. So I, I think that's where the whole Eagles should get him at ten hype is coming. And it's not like they neither running back again that's a luxury pick but it's just them washington i don't think washington shaped their running backs in 70 or 71 and the texans are the three teams that just don't draft running backs in the first round texas never never draft a running back in the first round so i i just can't see it happen now that they traded down and he's still there maybe but i just can't see them trading down from 10 at this point in time i just think it's they're kind of hoping that those Easter eggs of Jalen Carter kind of fall in their basket. And if he's there, I expect oh, that's, he- that's the biggest no brainer in Eagles history. If he's there, I, I don't think he's going to be there. Um, because if the Eagles decide there are no issues off the field, or at least that they're not uh, worried about those off the field issues, somebody else is going to be in that same category. And somebody else has taken a kid um, before number 10. So 
I I can't imagine him getting the ten, but if he gets the ten, yeah, they're taking him easily. Wor- worst case scenario is he falls through the first eight, and then the Bears take him at nine. Who John has railed on this off season, uh, maybe the worst uh, run football team over the last twelve months in the National Football League, and they get the kid at nine right in front of the Eagles at ten. If he does get to nine, by the way, I think the Bears are taking him. So we'll see how that shakes out. I got a question on your uh, visitation list, John. Uh, eight defensive linemen, did you say, and three offensive linemen? Yeah. So 11 out of the 16 are in the trenches. Oh, that's shocking with the Eagles. Uh, <laughs> how, how many? Now, now uh, hold on. You do have to, there's your usual way of building a team, roster, building everything else. And then there's in the moment and the roster that you currently have. Right now, they're scheduled to start a linebacker who they paid the veteran minimum to, who's a little bit undersized, who's going to be asked to replace T.J. Edwards, who had a pretty damn good year for them last year, correct? And they're going to ask... Uh, Nicholas kinda, Morrow, yeah. Uh, Nicholas Morrow, good luck with that. Uh, and I do like Edmonds, but we got the whole, does he fit what they used to do? Is there going to be a change to the defense? Uh, I don't know what kind of player Evans is going to be. So they got a couple of one-year guys coming in to try and replace C.J. Gardner-Johnson and uh, FC. And, yeah, Blankenship's in that mix. But he, too, second-year undrafted player. Don't at some point you need to think about replacing guys who have left who are really good players for you? You bought, like, these safety net free agent minimal payment guys to just have on your roster. How many linebackers and safeties have they had in for pre-draft visits, John? Um, I guess you could argue Julius Brent could be moved to safety. Um, Kansas State, they've looked at a bunch of the cornerbacks they're looking at are sort of lengthy guys, Um and and maybe that's their thought because remember, I mean, they moved CJ. Maybe that's their thought process because because they want coverage guys, which is why I don't understand Terrell. Right. Um, it is so you never know what they're thinking, but obviously he played corner in college, so you know you have to project him more there. I've seen some people project him to safety, so you never know. But they haven't looked at a linebacker, to my knowledge. Um, and if they did take him, it would be certainly second, third round or, or day three. And right. right now they don't have day three picks except the seventh round, round. So that's not going to help you. Um, yeah. I mean, they don't care about linebackers. They proved that. If, if TJ Edwards didn't prove that to people, Jeff Kerr, who else will? Because not only did he become a good player, the Eagles found him. They should be proud. He was undrafted. Nobody wanted him. And you could say, you could, you know, throw out your chest and say, we found T.J. Edwards. Look at this guy. PFF said he was an all-pro. Blah, blah, blah. Look at how good we are. Look how smart we are. And they said, nope, $6.5 million. Ooh, go, go to Chicago. Um, they don't care about that position. Is that unfair to say? Oh, I think it's more than fair. I, I don't think they've cared about that position <clears throat> since they tagged Jeremiah Trotter and let him walk. I, I yeah. that that told me twenty years ago that okay, they don't care about linebacker as much as we think they do. In fact, I was even told this all season. TJ Edwards was one of those players. They said, "Go test your market, but please come back to us, and we'll match it." 
Well, they didn't want to match it, I guess, because of the whole. And this was on Monday, too. We got to remember this. He was one of the first yeah. players to sign. 16 minutes. He was the first player, I believe. Yeah. yeah. And, you know, I'm sure the whole, <laughs> this was the whole, they were making a push to re-sign CJ. So they probably figured, okay, you know, we're trying to keep this guy. We can't pay a linebacker six and a half million per season. And I'm like, well, it's not exactly a bad deal for TJ Edwards. I think no. I would have kept him at that. And yeah. th- that just showed me how little they can. And then they bring in Nicholas Morrow, which get, I like him against the pass, but he was terrible against the run last yeah. year. John. He's Eric Wilson without the uh, playmaking ability. <laughs> Point two, yes. <laughs> oh, but he had a hundred tackles. Yeah. No, but Eric Wilson would make interceptions and make plays and passes. He's Eric Wilson without the playmaking ability. I hate to say it. It's a really good comparison. All right, Steve Kerr, uh, we've asked all of our guests here over the last week or so, how big a need is an upgrade at wide receiver three for the Eagles, as far as you're concerned? Depends who's there. Um, Zacchaeus is still in the market. I wouldn't mind that. He might be. We mentioned that. Everybody says that. He might be the best offensive free agent left now because he's better than Ezekiel Elliott. (laughs) I think everybody's better than Ezekiel. You know what? I got to give a shout out to my boy, Mm. Andrew Tachecko, because he's he's been on the Zacchaeus train, I feel like, since January. Oh, you know, if the Eagles go after a free agent, this might be a good bargain signing. Keep in mind, this is January. We're we're talking about... Uh, Xander might be on the Zacchaeus bandwagon since St. Joe's preps. That's where I think they all get it from. He played for the preps, so there you go. I I can see Xander doing cartwheels in Zacchaeus' size of the Eagles. And uh, they brought a couple of uh, homeboys home last year, like uh, White And let him walk out the door at linebacker, too. So if you're just talking about a one-year fix, I get that. But, uh, yeah, a lot of guys have jumped in here. I'm a Jarvis Landry guy. And I know he's had better years elsewhere. But we are well into April now, and he hasn't signed. So if his price tag was an issue, that's part of the reason why he hasn't signed. At some point, he's got to come to the realization, all right, they're not looking at me like OBJ. I'm not getting that contract. Where would I want to go where I can actually take a chance at a championship? The Eagles were able to get a couple of guys in season last year to defensive tackle position who Johnny Mack called ring chasers, and I didn't disagree with that. Can they make that kind of a sale to a wide receiver three uh, to come in here and say, yeah, listen, we're gonna, you're down in the pecking order of where you're going to get targets, but it is Jalen Hurts. He's coming off an MVP runner-up season. We could have a pretty damn good year. You can tri- contribute to it. Can the fact that the Eagles are a Super Bowl contender help them in uh, picking up a guy uh, to fill out that wide receiver three spot? Oh, absolutely. I- I'm sure they can convince one of these veterans to come here. It's you know, I-, I honestly feel if the price tag wasn't super high, you could even convince a guy like Ojo. Odell Beckham to come here, but Odell wanted $20 million a year. He got fifteen. but, you know, say he wanted – Four or five. I think that's where Kansas City thought they got a shot at him. And I was told, like, Kansas City would even go up to, like, seven or eight. But past <clears> that, it, it, there no. was no way. It just wasn't in the budget. But, John, doesn't it feel like, though, they really just want to kind of give Quez that number three role again next year based on what Nick Sirianni has said? And, you know, and to me, maybe it was just watching him in the locker room last year. Didn't it feel like, when he was frustrated, it was more of himself and him costing the team than 
maybe just hit. It's hard to explain, right? Like, like you could tell the guy was frustrated at times, but it didn't feel like it was a lack of targets. Um, no, he accepted his role. I, I don't think that was a problem at all. Quez was disappointed himself. He said after the season, he had a bad season. Obviously, if he makes that cash in the Super Bowl, things are much uh, different. He knows he had a bad season. Yeah, and the Eagles kind of know, you know, if they were in a different phase, we were talking about roster building, maybe they would look for a significant upgrade. But two problems with that is the traffic. You know, OBJ is not going to be happy here. Even if they had fifteen million lying around to pay him, he's not going to be happy here. I don't think and, he's going to be happy in Baltimore either. I mean, he's going to. You can't justify well, he, traffic. He'll be, he'll be wide receiver one in Baltimore. Yeah. If he if he's healthy, he's going to get the yeah. most targets in Baltimore. AJ Brown's here. Devontae Smith's here. Dallas Goddard. He's not going to get the football here. So I, I've even brought that up with Jody with Jarvis Landry. Even. Because Jarvis is a four-time Pro Bowl receiver. Yeah, he's in a different phase of his career, but he's used to having the football. He's not used to, yeah, you might get it once in the first half. You might get it once in the second half. You're you're unlikely to be the first option on many routes. Um, I think role players are sort of underrated uh, for accepting their role. So, yeah, I think the Eagles want to give Quez one more opportunity. But to me, and I've constantly said this to Jody as well, to me it's about what's behind Quez Watkins. You know, Zach Pascal's gone. One of the few receivers to get two years. We were going down that. There's like, how many were there, Jody? Nine receivers who got two-year deals? That's it. And Zach Pascal was one of them. Um he was an important part of this offense, a little bit different because they're so run heavy with the RPO stuff, the zone read stuff. They don't have Zach Pascal, And the guys they have behind, the Britton Coveys of the world, Devin Allens, you know. They need that. Greg Ward. They need, they need that some kind of body at the wide receiver position. And if, and if it's a young kid, who beats out Quest Watkins? Great, but yeah, gotta find a receiver somewhere, and it's probably going to be in the draft. I don't like how, and I heard some fans say this. Well, Quest should be cut. I'm like, who are you cutting him for? Well, rookie. Uh, okay, are you still going to cut him for a rookie? Knowing, like you said, it's Devin Allen, it's Greg Ward, it's Britton Covey. I don't, right now, Britton Covey's roster spot is safe on this football team. Right now, it is. Yeah, Tyree it, it, Cleveland. If you like him, he's around. Um, I read Cleveland. I haven't, I haven't heard that name since training game. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, they need to add some kind of competition, and they will. And we still have June 1st, and we still have guys who can be cut after the draft, and maybe it's a veteran, and, and maybe they bring in more significant competition. But if they don't unseat Quez as the third receiver – I don't think they're going to be terribly upset because he's getting two, three targets a game. How upset could you be? Now, if somebody turns an ankle, if somebody gets hurt, then you got some real issues because he's not capable of of being a second receiver. You know what upset me about the wide receivers in the free free agency? What, like only nine guys got multi-year deals? I thought Jacoby Myers, if you put him – 
with a decent quarterback, who's far and away the best receiver in this play. And that, that ain't saying much, by the way. But then New England gives Juju three years, and Vegas gives Myers three years. I'm like, I think Myers could be a steal at that price, even with Garoppolo. I, I just feel like he's going to have those bigger seasons and I, I can't stand Josh McDaniels, but I just feel like that was a really good signing for a team that's made a lot of them this offseason. You, well, like, what, Alan you Lazar, like what the Raiders yeah. have done, huh? What's oh, that? You like what the Raiders have done, Jeff? I like them signing Jacoby Myers. I I still don't get what they're doing. Okay. Yeah. I, 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 I Alan Lazar, Jody's Jets are the only team that give a receiver four years. Alan Lazard. And I kind of like that deal for the Jets, too, because I, I think Alan Lazar is a better player than most people do. Yeah, well, I think yeah. they're trying to make Aaron Rodgers happy. But luckily, the Jets have Garrett Wilson, who I think is a really, really good player. He's, he's only going to get better. Um, then it was Jacoby Myers, as you mentioned, and Juju Smith-Schuster. Then it was 33-year-old, soon-to-be 33-year-old Adam Thielen. That's how bad the wide receiver market. Thirty-three-year-old guy. It was guy. not a good group for wide receivers. It was a good group for running backs, but again, you saw that market played out. Yeah. All right, Jeff Carr. We have, we may or may not have you on again before the draft comes down. Um, I want to jump away from the Eagles for a second. You're the Carolina Panthers. You got the first pick in the draft. Which quarterback are you taking? Bryce Young, all day long. To me, Bryce Young is. I, I've said this since January. He's by far the best quarterback in the draft. Don't overthink it. I, I don't care about the size. I think Bryce Young's going to be a stud in the National Football League. Right, right. Remember when we have Carver uh, back on next year, Johnny Mack, by far the best quarterback in the draft. I don't think I'm he's with the best him. I think he's the best quarterback. By far? Are you going I, as far as Curry's? By far, he's going to be far better than C.J. Stroud? I think he's the only quarterback that could develop into – I think he's got by – I'll say this. By if you're going to throw by far, I'll say by far the highest ceiling as a prospect. That's that's basically what I meant. Like if you're looking at who's the guy that can win me a Super Bowl, Bryce Young is the guy. That, who's that, who's, who's got a lower floor between Stroud and Young? Well, that might be Stroud. Yeah, that, that, that might be. Stroud. He might have a higher floor. Uh, yeah, a higher it, floor. It made me just this Neanderthal way of thinking for me. I do not trust the Ohio State quarterbacks to save my life. Yeah, that's Neanderthal. Never scout the helmet. Yeah, I get, I, I get to do well, this. With Jeff Ohio State I love doing it. Jeff Kerr wouldn't have drafted um, Joe Burrow. Because there hadn't been a good quarterback coming out of LSU since Was he at Ohio God State? God forbid you take an LSU quarterback. History says you can't take an LSU quarterback. So screw that Joe Burrow guy. I wouldn't touch him with a and dead technically, football. That's technically, he was in Ohio State. In the yeah, he was. He was the whole second. Technically, he was also in Ohio State. They played JT State Barrett over Joe Burrow. And I used to argue that one for years. Well, I you can't. Joe- because people make bad decisions. But I mean, Justin Fields was at Georgia. Um, who beat out him? Was it Bennett? No, who uh, beat out? No, no, from Jake yeah, Fromm. Jake, Jake Fromm beat, beat out Justin Fields because Stetson Bennett's been playing for eight years. So I, I figured. I, uh, here's the thing: Fromm. I love Justin Fields as a player. I, I think Justin. How Fields, can you? He's an Ohio State quarterback. He went to Georgia first. I don't know anymore. These guys. Jake Fromm, though. Jake Fromm. Jake Fromm. Georgia's pretty good, right? They're pretty good program. Yeah. They thought Jake Fromm was better than Justin Fields. Which I don't get, by the way. 
I still don't get – I don't know what they were thinking there. They did all that maneuvering to make sure they got Justin Fields into their program. Justin Fields could have went anywhere, and you don't play him right away? I never understood that. Yeah, it was pretty dumb on George's part. I think we can all agree on that. But, Jeff, you got to move off the, oh, my God, a quarterback hasn't come out of that university before thinking. It just doesn't – It doesn't. Well, what about Ohio State wide receivers? Out. I'll draft one of them any day of the week. Yeah, I'll draft Marvin Harrison tomorrow. Yeah, he, might, he might be the best running – I mean, the best wide receiver prospect in this draft. He's not even eligible. Exactly. And I like Njigba. I hope uh, – Oh, he's they, a good player too. I, I if, really like him. If he, That'll be really tempting. I don't think he's going to – I think he's going to go somewhere in the teens. But if he drops down to 30 – Howie, are you paying attention? Yeah, wide Take receiver him. three, you get a value at number 30 like that. Uh, I think he's going to be a star. Hi, Jeff Kerr. Always a pleasure. Glad to hear you won uh, some money bowling this week. Still ticked off that you didn't knock on a glass and come in and say hi to me and Mac now yesterday. Uh, but thank you for jumping in. Next, today fi- next Philly's game, I'm going to bang on the door while you're Two weeks from now, we'll be back down there again. You better stop by and say hi. It was funny, too, because I was going up the escalator to my seat. I'm like, hey, look, there's Jody Mac. I'm like, maybe I should go bug him. And I walked past, and you guys were yicking and yakking. I don't know what you guys were talking about at the time. I was listening to you guys on the way down. There was a lot of – what were you guys talking about? Oh, you guys had Ray on yesterday, so we were listening to Ray's. Right, uh, you got you got your football fix while going to the the Eagles game. You got the best of both worlds, Kerr. Yeah. As didn't did have we any put... traffic on down either. Exactly. All right, Jeff Kerr, thank you very much. We'll get you back up in a couple of weeks. Appreciate it, bud. Sounds great, guys. Thanks for having me on. CBSSports.com, NFL writer Jeff Kerr here with us on Verge 365. All right, Johnny Mac, Johnny Mac coming back. We still got more than an hour left to play. Dave Zangaro from NBC Sports is going to jump in with us a couple of minutes. I want to go further with the Eagle visits. Johnny ran down the uh, tally that he's got on them so far this uh, offseason. Do we make too much of this? Because right now the Eagles have six picks. They've got 30 visits, so there's going to be 20. Even if they pick someone that absolutely showed up and they visited with 24 of the guys aren't going to get picked. But we do scrutinize this, and and I think we should, or should we? I'll ask John McMullen that next here on Birds 365. Imagine for a moment that you went to work today, and when you came home, you were catastrophically injured. Your life and your family's life. That's what happened to union construction worker Mike Little. I was scared of what the end was going to be, but to be 100% honest with you, I knew I was going to be all right just by talking with Brian. In my heart, I just knew everything was going to be all right. Call the firm and find out why they say, we got this. Call 215-458-2222. Here, imaginations run wild and time stands still. Because here, you can find the best of the Jersey Shore all on one five-mile island. So leave the old you behind and get lost in the woods 
field of life, First Trust Bank is there for you. Because Philadelphia dreams deserve a Philadelphia bank. Go to get your game on. Go for the beers. Go for the cheers. Go for the hit and the hits. Go for the stakes and the stakes. Go to get your parlay on. Go to get your party on. Go for the scene. Go for the screens. Go for the gallery. Go for the win. Go to Ocean. Visit theoceanac.com to plan your visit. Don McMahon and Jody McDonald here with you on Birds 365. Thanks for streaming on in. While you're here, you could hit the like button. That would be nice of you. Come on, we just had Easter yesterday. You did all your penance for the entire season of Lent. Now do the right thing and take care of Mac and Mac. Hit that like button for us. All right. Uh, before we get into the Eagles visitations um, for the draft, I got one other question I got to run by you. Uh, so during the break, I ran upstairs, got another cup of coffee, told the wife again, thanks for waking me up because I slept <laughs> through the alarm. And she said, you know, you really got to get one of those alarms that's got a battery backup because mine didn't go off because at some point during the middle of the night. It's my phone, Jody. Phone. You use your phone? And yeah. My wife uses her phone, too. I've never used the alarm on my phone. Now, I rarely use it. But when I do, you, when I do set an alarm, sometimes on the road. Because of time changes, I'm not as comfortable with my body clock. So I'll set it just in case. I usually don't need it. But yeah, if you use your phone, and my wife uses her phone and it drives me insane. Uh, because she got, you bad, know, got a bad ring to it? or she? Well, she cho- she chooses a bad ring. She knows I hate the ring. Um, it, 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 you know, she she's a snooze person. I am not. Yeah, so I need one alarm. That's it. And, and you I get, get up. up. Uh, she's She's got 47. So if I am, if I do get to sleep past her, which is rare, because I'm in charge of the dog who also gets up. So I have like three fail saves here, right. Jody. Um, if I do have the chance, all I hear is every eight minutes, the stup- same stupid alarm that drives me insane. So, yeah. <laughs> Uh, I'm not a snooze guy. Here's where I'm at with alarms. I try not to use my phone. I don't like to use my phone. If I can, if I'm just going on a short turnaround and not going to be sleeping much, I leave my phone downstairs. I don't even bring it upstairs with me because if I'm going to sleep, I want to go to sleep. I don't want to be disturbed by a phone call. Now, there's always the emergency, and then I'm going to have a big issue thereafter. But I really do try and leave my phone downstairs so I can get a decent night's sleep. So I wouldn't use my alarm on my phone. Number two, I realized that in November, I'm going to be married 30 years. Uh, And my wife and I dated for a year before we were engaged for a year, and we're now going to be married 30 years in November. So that's almost 32 years. I've had my alarm clock longer than I've had my wife. Wow. Wow. I alar- like Jack McCaffrey with his tape recorder. His my alarm clock recorder. predates my wife. And we've been together for 32 years. And there are two reasons for it. Number one, 
yeah, I'm cheap. The thing works. Why should I replace it? Why should I pay to replace it when the thing works? You, you, you only replace things when they need to be replaced, not because, well, I've had it a long time. And number two, yeah, I'm a little superstitious. Like I, I got up 40 minutes late today. It wasn't the alarm clock's fault. It was the fact that we took a power hit. And uh, if we don't take a power hit, the alarm would have went off exactly when it was supposed to at 625. You got anything like that? When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue, all in the Kroger app. Get three-pound rolls of juicy 80% lean ground beef for $3.49 a pound with a digital coupon. Then get select varieties of flavorful Powerade, Body Armor Super Drink, or Arizona Tea for 77 cents each, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger, less than five miles away. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. You're, you're, you're still clinging to it because you, you're you afraid if you swap it out, you're going to get a lesser one. It's been damn yeah. good to you for a long time, and you're a little uh, afraid to go down another road? Um, The only thing close is I keep, uh, which drives my wife cr- crazy, I keep uh, media guides. So I have, like, media guides from, like, you know, 25 years ago. In my yeah, they, garage, they've, they've kind of put up new stats since, John. Yeah. They, they become um, dated. I don't know why. One is, you know, when I when I first started, I guess you know it was more of a re- remembrance for things you've done, things sure. you've covered. Um, same thing with credentials. That too, I never throw away a credential. Like people throw them away. I never throw away a credential of anything I've ever covered. Um, I don't know why uh, it drives my wife insane. Um, I don't do anything with them. Like Damo has them framed, um, you know, put them up in a, in a, in a front. I, I just have them in a box somewhere, you know, and I have way too many at this stage. Um, but I can't throw them away. I don't yeah, know one, why. One thing I'll never lack for is, I throw the credential away. Like yesterday, I got a credential going to the Phillies game. It was a one-day pass. So what the hell am I going to keep the thing for? I throw the laminated piece of uh, uh, cardboard out. But I always save the lanyard. If I've got one lanyard, I've got 120. I, yeah, well, I've, in, in well, well, I save the lanyards head. too. So, yeah, uh, I have 100 million lanyards <laughs> as well. Uh, I've got um, a lot of those. I throw the credentials out, but I save the lanyards for whatever stupid reason. Yeah. All right, uh, back to football. McMullen and McDonald here with you on Bird Street 65. Zingaro is going to join us coming up in uh, less than 20 minutes now. All right, you ran down the list for us of the Eagle draft visits, and you had them at 16 out of 30. Did they, uh, is that rule still in place? That if you want to, you can get a local college kid in and it doesn't count. As yeah, they don't 30. count. Yeah, local kids don't count. I had a couple local guys as well. Kid from Princeton. Um, there's a South Jersey kid, Philadelphia kid. They don't count. 
Um, um, I'm trying to look them up real quick. I'm trying uh, to Jaquan Amos, who's a defensive back, spent time at Villanova, finished up at Ball State. Uh, Harvard running back Eden Borget, who's from South Jersey. Um, Franklinville, I believe. So it's not and, just where you went to school. It's where you play no, high school yeah. ball, too? It could be both. Princeton, uh, for instance, uh, they looked at the receiver. who's actually got some size and speed. I don't know how to. Andre Isosibus, I think he's from Hawaii. Ooh, where so. would you say? Exactly. Princeton uh, receiver. Um, yeah, it could be either. So Princeton's obviously local for the Eagles, but he's not a local kid. Could be one or the other. Okay. Um, it could be a South. In in the case, it was a South Jersey kid and a Philly kid. Here, here would here would be my question to you or Roger Goodell if we had Roger on the line right now. Um, who gets to claim Alabama players as local players? There's not an um, NFL team in Alabama. Do the are the Saints the closest? To Alabama? I think they would be the closest, or or Houston, one of the two. I, Jacksonville, I'd have to maybe yeah. on the northern part of Florida. Who gets to go? Yeah, all those Alabama guys are. Uh, yeah, they don't count. We can bring CJ. I don't Stratton. think that anybody count as a pre-draft visit. I don't think anybody gets to claim Alabama. Uh, really? Yeah, I don't I mean, have uh, that. If I'm an Alabama player, I'm pissed off at that. Why wouldn't I get an extra free pass just because we happen to be at a university that isn't close to an NFL city? That's 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 unfair. Prince Princeton guys are in a better position than Alabama guys for the draft. How I don't think they are. But, uh, yeah. <laughs> I don't think the Alabama guys are too worried. You know, when thirty-two teams show up at your pro day, yeah, that's uh, the pro day. But but the, the, did Princeton have a pro day? I'm sure they attached I'm sure to they someone did. else. Yeah, but I'm sure, you know, five, six, maybe seven teams show. Although they have a legit prospect, so maybe a handful showed up. Um, but, yeah, there's certain teams, 32 teams are there. Alabama's obviously uh, one of those teams. So they're not hurting for opportunity, Alabama. True. Um, but uh, it just uh, it, it, it's an anomaly that uh, I think is – quasi unfair oh it's a stupid rule yeah i mean it's you know it's one of those things you fudge sometimes obviously it's rare but every once in a while you'll have a kid from the ivy league who's a legit prospect and you know you can bring him in without a top 30 visit so it can be you know played with as everything in the NFL and is. If, you, if there's a loophole to be found, go ahead and find it and yeah. take advantage of it. Um, and this is something I want to run by both uh, you and Dave Zingaro when we get Dave up here in a second, but let me ask you first. Right now, who is considered the Eagles secondary coach? Uh, they don't have an official secondary coach. Um, and as a matter of fact, I looked at, uh, I looked at their website, <laughs> you know, we still haven't talked to Sean Desai or Brian Johnson since they were named coordinators. Yeah. What um, happened to that? We're going to announce all the coaches day. They yeah. Well, that's that the thing. It's going to come after the draft. That's well, I, I think they're going to do it before, but we'll see. I mean, they haven't 
that's the reason they've given. They want to wait until they get the entire staff together. Um, now, uh, Tabor Johnson, who's you know used to coach at Temple, another guy with Temple roots. He was uh, a defensive coordinator. Um, was reported as being hired as a defensive backs coach. Now, I don't know if that means he's going to be the replacing Denard Wilson or he could be the assistant DB coach and they could elevate DK McDonald to be the secondary coach who was the assistant. They haven't announced it yet. Um, and, right. and they, they hired a nickel cornerback coach, right? Yeah, they hired a, a who also has a background with Temple as well. Um, so they have a new sort of position as well. Uh, but until they announce it, we don't even know if that's official. That's how it was reported. Um, and, you know, so right now they have three names in the mix. Uh, and and we'll see how they are on the totem pole. Um to be determined. And again, uh, as a beat guy, you're more uh, informed and, and know this better than a guy like I have and or would. This is weird, right? Oh, Usually yeah. when this you look at the calendar late. and putting a staff together that you, you would prefer to have it done and set before you even start free agency. You certainly want to have it done and set and in place before you get into your heavy draft work. The fact that you've still got questions about uh, how the staff is going to look. Are they finished? Are they going to hire one more guy? To, to be this late in the football calendar is not standard operating procedure, is it, John? No, it is very, very late. In fact, uh, I, you know, I haven't gone through the other 31 teams, but I would, I'm very comfortable saying the Eagles are probably last here. Now, part of that is... Obviously, they had a long season, so they had a late start, and they had more upheaval than even Kansas City. I mean, they lost both coordinators. They, they're the ones that suffered all the attrition on the coaching staff. But it's, it's, very, it's very weird, and it's very late um, to not have the entire coaching staff put together. Now, from their standpoint, they probably have it put together, and for whatever reason, they don't want to announce it. I hope it's not because they want to keep coordinators away from us. Because if they can't handle us, you know, how much confidence do you have in them? Right. Uh, let's be the honest. What are, they we, do. What, are we, what are we going to do, Jody, to these people? What are we going to do? I, I realize a lot of people don't like us, but what the heck are we going to do to Sean Desai and Brian Johnson? I mean, it doesn't make a lot of sense. It, it doesn't, and that's why I asked the question. I was kind of surprised by it that they haven't come out with the, the formal listing of their staff, and you're, if they're running in fear from the press, that's not a good sign. I don't think it's good. And uh, if it sounds like doom and gloom, Eagles fans, don't, don't, don't get worked up. I'm not saying that. John's not saying that. Oh, my God, the Eagles are uh, doomed to failure because they don't have their coach. It's not that big a deal. It's just weird. And that's why I brought it up to John. Yeah, it's and, weird. And and by the way, they're not scared of us. I joked around. They they don't want us there. They don't want us there. 
that's the bottom line. And they want to, they want to, they want to proceed in secrecy. And and the more they can go and proceed in secrecy, I don't get it, but whatever. It's not, it's not state craft. It's not you know spy craft, but they seem to think it is. I but let me let me take this a step further. And again, for you Nick Sirianni fans out there, you're not going to want to hear me say this, but uh, sorry, uh, folks, it's a fact, Jack, or at least it is in my opinion. Nick always strives for the competitive advantage. And a lot of time that is with keeping information close to the vest where other teams, other coaches are more willing to uh, put their cards on the table. And we've seen Sirianni do it for two years running, that there are certain things he just isn't going to answer, questions he won't answer, things he won't talk about because he believes in his own mind he gives him a competitive advantage. Is that one of the things we're looking at here with the coaching staff? You know, I wish I could give you an answer. I have no stinking idea. If it is, I mean, he's not getting any kind of competitive advantage. I mean, he has mentioned in the past we have a little bit of uncertainty with Sean Desai. But then he'll say in the next paragraph, you read a transcript, he'll say, oh, it's going to be the same. <laughs> you know, maybe maybe claim it's going to be different. Uh, um, everything's going to be similar. He, had, he did mention one time about, you know, his rookie season. Remember when they went into Atlanta, Jody made a big deal about people not knowing what they were going to do. First game of the season, right? Wasn't the first game Sirianni ever coached again? Yeah, his rookie season. Atlanta, yeah. Yeah. He said, we, we have an advantage um, because nobody knows what we're going to do. Um, he made a big deal out of it. And they played very well in Atlanta. And I think it had more to right, do but, with Atlanta. Oh, by the way, Atlanta was were, in the yeah. same exact situation. Smith yeah. was coaching his first game. So how much of an advantage? You, they might not have known what you were going to do, but you couldn't have known what the Falcons were going to do either. Yeah. And the advantage was you just had a much better team than Atlanta. And you, you, you kind of ran them off the field. Everybody was excited. But then that turned into two and five. So, I mean, what, what are we really talking about? So. But he does believe it, so you know it's kind of like a sugar pill, Jody. If 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 you think it's helping you, maybe it does help you. Oh, uh, sugar pill! Somebody used that exact same line. To, oh, I know who it was. Uh, Peter King uh, said it about uh, Kyrie Irving. That when are NBA teams going to realize that that's all that Kyrie Irving is? It's a sugar pill that he doesn't actually make your teams better. The Mavs, when they acquired Kyrie Irving, were sixth in the West. Ended up 11th in the West. Dropped five slots by adding Kyrie Irving. And oh, by the way, Kyrie Irving might have, I heard, read it within the last month, maybe the best nickname in the NBA this year. World be flat for Kyrie Irving rather than... World be flat, baby. Rather yeah, than world be nickname. free. Uh, yeah, Kyrie, take take that, uh, Dallas, for your acquisition of... Uh, uh, Still waiting for that first person to... To, to sail off the side of the earth. Yeah, it's going to be this week, John. Uh, my alarm clock told me that this is the week that somebody's actually going to sail off the side of the earth and be over and done with. All right, he's McMullen. I'm McDonald. The Mac and Mac guys here on Birds 365. Uh, we haven't had Dave Zingaro in a good couple weeks. He was out in Arizona, so uh, we missed him on one of the weeks. We were going to punch him up. It's been a while since we talked to Dave Z. Looking forward to that. Dave Zingaro of NBC Sports Philly going to join us next here on Birds 365.
Imagine for a moment that you went to work today, and when you came home, you were catastrophically injured. Your life and your family's life. That's what happened to union construction worker Mike Little. I was scared of what the end was going to be, but to be 100% honest with you, I knew I was going to be all right just by talking with Brian. In my heart, I just knew everything was going to be all right. Call the firm and find out why they say, we got this. Call 215-458-2222. Here, imaginations run wild and time stands still. Because here, you can find the best of the Jersey Shore all on one five mile island. So leave the old you behind and get lost in the woods. First Trust Bank is there for you. Because Philadelphia dreams deserve a Philadelphia bank. Go to get your game on. Go for the beers. Go for the cheers. Go for the hit and the hits. Go for the stakes and the stakes. Go to get your parlay on. Go to get your party on. Go for the scene. Go for the screens. Go for the gallery. Go for the win. Go to Ocean. Visit theoceanac.com to plan your visit. Get your Mac and Mac guys, McMullen and McDonald, hanging with you on Birds 365, the Jake Media YouTube channel. Um, John McMullen, a YouTube star, um, <laughs> also a uh, very well-respected writer. Our next guest, Dave Zangaro, is going to join us coming up in a couple of minutes. A TV star and a very well-respected writer. Yeah, I'm just a talking head and a uh, radio guy. Uh, so I will at some point on one of my shows and maybe here on Birch Street 65 actually have a mock draft. We are 17 days out from the NFL draft. John does his for SI. Are you going to do one for uh, Philly Voice as well, or are you just uh, SI? Uh, just a mock, just SI. SI. Um, and yeah. and Krause will probably ask I don't. I do, yeah, I do not like my mock drafts in case that hasn't come across. Yeah, not a I, big fan. 
And I love mock drafts. I absolutely love them. I don't put as much stock into them as some people do that take them as like the Bible. But uh, I love the fact that you've got so many different guys out there who do them now. I, uh, maybe it was yesterday. Um, I type in 2023 mock draft into Google. And then you get the drop down of how many you visited. I'm like 40 deep. I go to so many different mock drafts just to compare and contrast. That's the fun of it to see who's saying what and who's out left field and who's uh, agreeing with what you said. I did see one yesterday, John, because we brought his name up plenty last week here on the draft um, that I I do have a little bit of a this uh, uh, agreement with some of the guys we've had on, and it'll be fun to see what Zingaro thinks. Nolan Smith, the pass rushing specialist. From yeah, he's Georgia. one. He's in. He's been in. He's one of those defensive linemen. One of those defensive guys. Who's and visited. by the way, when I say defensive linemen, I hope people understand I'm talking about edge rushers. Edge rushers, yeah. yeah. Linebacker slash yeah. defensive end. Come on, get with the program. Uh, Nolan Smith, I don't think makes sense for the Eagles. Because I think he's Hassan Reddick 2.0. And if you've got Hassan on one side, does Nolan Smith's uh, fit on the other? Not for me. I did see one uh, draft that had him going at number 30. That the Eagles were getting yeah. him with their second first round pick. <clears throat> Not their number 10, but their second. Now, if that's the case, if you've already landed a star player with your first pick and you get Nolan Smith to 30, yeah, you can count me in. I would not take him at number 10. Little little bit of a redundancy from a trade standpoint. We got Dave in the green room. Let's see if Xander can bring him up. Uh, Dave Sangaro, NBC Sports Philadelphia. Good to see you, buddy. Um, Jody and I were just talking about the draft. We'll start there. The top 30 visits, we were talking about Nolan Smith uh, as one of them. But from a larger perspective, Dave, I wanted to get your thoughts because we were debating it. You, you've been through a lot of these draft processes. What do you, when you look at the top 30 names, I got 16. You might have more at this stage, but somewhere in that range. What do you take out of them? Do you take anything? I, I take themes. What are they looking at? Positions. What do you Yes, yeah, sometimes. But sometimes it's like, it's a medical thing or it's like you want to check out a guy's character. So it's not as simple as, Oh, they're interested in these players because they brought them in. Sometimes they just had like unanswered questions. If a prospect is super clean and they know everything they need to know about them, then they're not going to waste the top 30 on them. So yeah. Um, something to keep in mind. It's you can try to follow it a little bit, but sometimes you end up chasing your tail because it doesn't really amount to a lot. All right, one of those guys they brought in was Nolan Smith. I was just talking about that with John. I, I don't see him as a viable number 10 pick for the Eagles. Not that he's not a talented football player. He is. But if you're talking about uh, a team that already has Hassan Reddick on its roster, a smaller, speed-rushing uh, edge player, would you want to pair him with a guy like Nolan Smith who seems to have the same kind of traits that he does doesn't make sense to me. Do you think he's a legitimate possibility for the Eagles at number 10? Yeah. I mean, I, it, it's pair. It's not like pairing him with him. Isn't to me, it doesn't really encapsulate it because if we agree that edge is a position they could add in this draft. And I think we all kind of agree that it's a position they value. 
it's a pretty good draft for edge players. Um, they're going to rotate these guys. So, I mean, it, it, that's like a philosophical question, right? Like, is the 10th pick worth a guy who's not going to start? And for the Eagles, it probably is. If it's at a position like this that they really value and that they know they're going to play the guy, it's different than, you know, if they draft an offensive tackle, he's probably sitting this year. But if they draft an edge player, he's he's going to play. He's going to play mm-hmm. significant snaps. Um, the other part of this is, like, we think this defense is going to be very similar to what Jonathan Gannon ran. We, we have all those indications. But – don't know how Sean Desai feels about some of these player profiles necessarily. Um, I, the the body build to me, like that doesn't prevent me from drafting Nolan Smith. Um, because you're going to rotate these guys anyway. They're probably going to flip sides at times. Um, for the most part, the edge rushers stay on their sides, but you're going to flip sides at times. So um, I think there is some, some importance to having different body types at those positions because you want, you don't want offensive tackles to get comfortable with like facing one guy that, that they rotate between. But uh, I I don't think that would prevent me from taking him if I thought he was the best player. Yeah. That's also a position, Dave, where the league as a whole, you'll always see somebody, you know, I always go back to Cleveland Farrell. Everybody's, well, he's going to be in the twenties. He ends up going four. Uh, Marcus Davenport's the name I throw out there. The Saints traded a future one to get people fall in love with edge rushers. So, you know, most people could have Lucas Van Ness in the twenties. The Eagles might go, nah, that, that, that that's our guy at number 10. If you believe in an edge rusher, that's a position where, you know, the old adage, either get the quarterback or get to the quarterback. That was the beauty of the Eagles. They had the quarterback and they got to the quarterback, it's pretty important to do both. So that's a position, to call it valuable, is probably an understatement. Yeah, I will say this, though, with the Eagles. They they wouldn't have drafted Cleveland Farrell that high. No, they, they wouldn't they, have. They would but, have I, but, but I mean certain teams, it's just one guy. They yeah, fall in I, love but with. that's the thing with the Eagles is that like they're trying to maximize value at every position, really, except for quarterback. You know, if they have the quarterback they want, they're going to take them. But not, not in this draft. I'm saying in general. <laughs> uh, <laughs> um, but with every other position, they they kind of look at it from a value standpoint. Like, you know, if if we can get this guy at 15, we're not going to take him at 10. Yeah. Um, we'll, or at least we'll try not to. We'll try to maximize value. We'll get a pick back. We'll move around the board. How he does that very well. He has a really good feel for yeah, what the rest of the league is doing. Uh, and that's a part of the draft that I think some teams just fail to do. Uh, you know, for, for mo- and I say this a ton. If people have heard me talk about the draft before, they've heard me say this, but uh, most teams, it's like get the best player. Howie is get the best player at the best value. Um, and sometimes it works, sometimes it doesn't, but it's, a, it's like a, a layer to the draft that I think a lot of teams are missing. I uh, I do agree with you on the fact that Howie plays Monty Hall better than anybody else on draft day and has good information and good feel on what the rest of the league's going to do. Is that because the Eagles have lost as many front office people as they have over the last couple of years? That Howie's got some uh, dirt on these guys and go, yeah, you know, I let you walk. But if you don't tell me who you're going to take in this spot, I'm going to release these pictures. 
How the hell does he do that? How does he know what other teams are going to do? Yeah, I don't think it's that. Uh, but look, he also does have a, a pretty good understanding of like the way these guys think. And I, I think that factors into it. Um, yeah, I, 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 he's very good at gathering information and his staff is very good at that. Uh, and sometimes they're going to be wrong. You know, like the, the draft is all about smoke screens and trying to read through them. And look how he's been doing this for a lot longer than a lot of other GMs. That's true. And experience matters. It's he's he's been he was the youngest GM in the league when he got hired, and I mean we're 13 years later. He's done yeah. this for a long time now, so minus a year, uh, he's done this for a long time. He has a good feel for it on draft day, and it doesn't mean he's making the right picks all the time. We've seen some disasters, but. Uh, in terms of, of maximizing the value of the draft, I'm not sure there's anyone who does it better. No. And you say minus a year. I think that year really helped him. I you know, I don't know if Howie Roseman 2.0 becomes Howie Roseman 2.0 without that year. I, I mean, I do think he sort of reflected on what he did poorly. Not that he does everything perfectly, but he's a different guy now. He's it's not just the experience as you mentioned that's a big part of it i think he did learn from uh being set off to the other side of the building yeah i agree with that i always say like if you write some memoir it's gonna be my year away the howie yeah. roseman memoir uh, my year getting a raise and getting to travel wherever i wanted to travel by pretty howie much roseman. uh the most impressive thing about him coming back from that was going after carson in 2016 which i i still say worked out uh, oh i agree it's a I weird agree. thing but like Man. to be that aggressive getting back in that chair and saying like i think a lot of guys would have been like ah eh, i got this job back i don't want to lose it I'll, I'll i'll just play it safe and he didn't and i always give him credit for that he was so aggressive that year uh, and it started before car it started kind of unloading everything chipped it <laughs> and and undoing it uh Maybe there was a little spite in there, but I, I think there were wise decisions from a football standpoint too. Uh, and just like how aggressive he was, he like got he he hit the ground running that year, and I that was always so impressive to me because I think a lot of guys in that position would have been like, man, I got a second chance, I'm going to play this safe and hold on to this job. And he didn't do that. He he went for it. And if if it if he drafted the wrong quarterback and and Carson wasn't very good early, uh, he might lose his job. You know, um, so he, he banked on it. He mortgaged a lot to go get him. Um, and look, it didn't work out in the end, but it worked out enough to win them a Super Bowl. So uh, I give him a ton of credit for just how aggressive he was when he got back in that chair. Didn't when Howie took his year abroad, uh, didn't he spend a week with Ted Lasso? I think that was part of the Howie learning curve. He did uh, spend with the Matt. I always forget his name. I remember Cashman. I, maybe you remember Dave R.C. Buford. He visited with, and then the Manchester United guy. But I don't remember his mm, name. I don't know his that, name. That, yeah, that's right. not Ted Lasso's team. I thought thought it was. I'm, I'm getting confused here. AFC um, Richmond. Sadly, I know that. <laughs> if if Fowey made it work for him, more power to him. Uh, here's my draft question, Dave, and I don't think we've discussed this with you. You've discussed it on the air. I've seen you plenty on NBC Sports, and uh, we've discussed it plenty here on Birds 365. To Bijan or not to Bijan at number 10? That's what everybody wants yeah. as far as Peter Peter's throwing a log on the fire this morning, uh, Dave. 
Bob's Howie. I haven't seen that. What do you say? That a he said they should he take him at number 10 and uh, tell the world dare to stop and the I, offense. I have the same reaction as Dave. Yeah, yeah I mean, it's just we were just talking happened. about value, Dave. What we are we just doing? talking about value? It's not like we're we spin our. I feel like we do this every year. We yeah. spin our wheels talking about something that we know is not going to happen. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> we just it's just not going to happen. Um, yeah. Yeah. look, Bijan's a great player and he'd be good in this offense. I just <clears> I have a hard time believing they're going to do it. Uh, should they do it? Maybe that's a different discussion. Uh, but we know they're not. So, <laughs> you know, I, <laughs> we just feel like, I get it. This is what the draft is for. It's fun. We're, we're all having yeah. fun. We do mock drafts. We, we we talk about it. But realistically, are the Eagles going to draft Bijan Robinson at 10? No, I, like, I don't think they are. I, I have a hard time believing they are. You can make the case. You can do all the arguments like, okay, they have a good offense. They're one, <clears> one piece away. They yeah. have two first-round picks. Robinson might be a special player. At the end of the day, I don't think they're going to do it. I think they're going to be too many other good players, very good players, elite players at positions they value more. Uh, so I don't think they're going to do it. Um, before I get back to the draft, because Jody brought this up, and I'm going to get your take on it, Dave. Um, wherever we are, April 10th, the official date, the Eagles have not announced their stinking coaching staff. Uh <laughs> Unless they did it while I was on the air in the first hour. Um, we have still not talked to Sean Desai or Brian Johnson, the new coordinators. Um, why? What what are they doing? Now, obviously they got a late start, but what 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 is the thought? Because it's not like I think they don't have the plan, whether it's gonna be Tabor Johnson as secondary coach or DK McDonald. I don't know, but they know who's going to be there. What is this about? Well, Nick is now interviewing his 200th uh, <laughs> defensive quality control <laughs> assistant. So, uh, oh, the, the owner gave him credit for that. His diligence in in uh, interviewing people to make sure he gets just the right guy. And, and look, I, I I'm, I'm joking about that, but it is important, uh, and it's it's something that Nick is so in lockstep with the owner on. Whereas, like, you think back to Doug, and, like, that was one of the reasons he got fired was because yeah. he didn't want to go yeah. through that process. Uh, so, like, I, I I don't think that's lip service from the owner. Like, he really likes that about Nick, and he likes mm-hmm. the process he goes through. And we'll see if it works. I mean, none of that means it's, he's going to hire the right guys, but at least there's a, a why behind it, and he can explain it to Jeffrey, like, what, what he went through to get these guys and why he liked – DJ Elliott as his linebackers coach, he can go through the whole process and explain it. Um, don't know why they don't have coaching staff yet. We were supposed to talk to the coordinators the week after the combine. Yeah. Uh, and that just didn't happen. And then I think they were like, let's finalize the roster. And now they're like, well, the draft is coming. We don't want them to get asked draft questions. So I, I mean, I don't, that, you know, doesn't make any sense to me, but eventually we'll talk to these guys. I'm, I'm excited to talk to Sean Desai. At least we know yeah. Johnson a little bit. Yeah. Um, yeah, I, I don't think like Sean Desai is going to start answering a ton of scheme questions, but I'd like to know philosophy stuff. I'd like to, to learn a little bit more about him and, and hopefully we get to do that soon. Let me ask you about Sean Desai, um, because you, you brought a name up earlier that I want to re- revisit. Uh, Edmonds at safety. When he signed, both John and I the next day said here on Birds 365, Really? Because we got so ingrained in Gannon that 
he has a system and certain players fit his system and he's going to get the type of players who can do exactly what he wants. He's not going to be a square peg and a round old guy. But then they signed Edmonds and he just didn't seem to fit what the Eagles safeties look like these last two years under Gannon, that he was a box safety and a guy who's going to come up and make tackles and maybe even blitz a little bit, which uh, Gannon almost never did with his secondary players. And I optimistically thought, ooh, a coach with an open mind, that he's going to be flexible, that he's going to know that there's more than one way to skin a cat on defense, which was one of my main critiques of Jonathan Gannon. Even though I was a fan, I thought he was a rigid guy. Players have to fit my system. Was I overly optimistic? Was it just Howie trying to give himself a safety net at the safety position? What did you read into the fact that Edmonds wasn't at least in his uh, career and, and what his stats said he was, he wasn't necessarily a guy who would fit with the former Eagles uh, defensive <laughs> system. If they had paid him, I might agree with you. Uh, I might think that they didn't pay him. I mean, he, that he $2 million got, dollars didn't impress you, huh? Yeah. Well, it's in $600,000 guaranteed. He has the same amount of guaranteed money as greedy Williams. So it's, yeah. they did not tie themselves to Terrell Edmonds. So, because of that, like I think I, you kind of said safety net. I, I think the idea is in free agency, you just try to fill the holes. That way you're not reaching when the draft comes. And uh, that's kind of the impression I got from Edmonds. And maybe he'll be fine. Maybe he'll be a starter. Uh, but they're not tied to him. So, you know, if they had signed him, if he was like a better player and he played that style and they signed him to like, you know, a three-year, whatever, $20 million deal, then I'd say, okay, now they're, this is, this is then, yeah, they're not tying themselves to a system. They're, they're, they're going to play this guy. I, I can't even guarantee he'll be on the roster. I think he will be. I think he's a leader to be a starter right now, but um, the guaranteed money is just not there. So uh, we'll see <laughs> about that. But I agree with your assessment about his play. Like he's kind of has been a strong safety. Um, yeah. and, and at least in, in Gannon's system, like those, he wanted those positions relatively inter interchangeable, uh, but they have some, some options there, some fun things they can do with Edmonds and with Avante because Avante Maddox is, is such a versatile guy that he can play the nickel. He can play safety. Um, and, and the one guy everyone keeps talking about in the draft is Brian Branch, who has that safety nickel versatility as well. I, I couldn't see them taking him at 10, but. You know, at, at 30, mm -hmm. yeah. now, now you're cooking yeah. with a little bit there. And everybody says they've never taken a safety in the first round, Dave. But I, I, I hate when people bring that stuff up because it's always about the year. It's always about the player. But, you know, you can call him a defensive back because he's got versatility, and then they didn't take a safety again. You can go about it that way. There's a lot of ways you can go about it. Uh, but with Sean Desai in general um, – I mean, he's going to play big scheme, uh, just like Jonathan did. And there's some good to that. There's some bad to it. Um, but when you look at replacing five starters here, and there's a lot of people that gave Jonathan Gannon a lot of credit. There's a lot of people that disliked him because of the style of the defense. But the bottom line was number two defense in the NFL, number one passing defense, 70 sacks. There's no way Sean Desai, if Jonathan Gannon was back, 
if they raised the salary cap ceiling $100 million and they got all those players back, they weren't going to match that. Are the expectations going to be just too much for Sean Desai in, in Philadelphia? This it, it's season? a tough situation. You're right. I mean, and that's the thing. Um, no matter what, this they're not going to be as good. They don't have the yeah. personnel. So yeah. um, I hope Desai gets judged fairly. Because of that, like when we're looking out there and we don't see Javon Hargrave and we, we don't see CJ and we don't see TJ Edwards, I, I mean, that matters. They're, they're, they lost some, some significant pieces. Um, but I, I think if we see – coaching is not about like getting good play out of good players. It's about like getting more out of lesser getting players. So a little bit more. Yeah. If Desai can do that with some of these guys, then I think it will show up. And it might not show up in the stat sheet, but like I think we'll see it. I think if, if people are realistic about it, they'll see if he's a good coach or not. Um, it won't be numbers, though, because the, the numbers aren't going to be as good. And, and like the sack, they're not going to get 70 sacks. No. It's just no. that doesn't happen. Dave, you're a partner in crime and in podcasts. Uh, Ruben Frank had a uh, interesting take in uh, his latest Rube's observations about the challenge for Nick Sirianni here in year number three. And he went back and looked at uh, several Eagles, most recent coaches past, and year three was a challenging one for a lot of them. And his uh, line of logic made sense. You've shown your whole playbook in your first two years. You've given all your motivational species in the first two years. If guys are still there, been there for your first two, three can be a challenging year. And it has come back and bit a couple of Eagles, uh, former coaches in the butt. But I'm sure there are other coaches who have actually had their best year in year number three. How much do you buy into what Rube's selling? That year three, just for coaches in general, and Nick Sirianni specifically, is a challenging one. I don't know if it's year three. Like, I look at the challenge for Nick, and it's they lost a lot of talent. There's a reason teams go through Super Bowl hangovers. It's a lot physically, emotionally to come back from that. Uh, and the the whole structure of this team's about to change from a salary cap perspective. Uh, it's like I look at last year, and everything went well. Like everything was like it worked out perfectly, and they still couldn't win a Super Bowl. It's just, it's so hard to win in this league. And there are so many things that just aren't going to go that well this year. You're right. Like it's, it's impossible to get that seat. That was the best team I've ever covered. Oh yeah. I mean, th- that team was to me, infinitely better as a whole. Wasn't even close. Entire I agree with you. Than 2017. And, I, and they yeah. still couldn't win. It just, it's yeah. really hard to win in this league. Are they going to get 70 sacks again? Probably not. Is Jalen going to play that well again? He might play cl- – it's hard to, for me to imagine he's going to be that good again. I, there's just going to be some regression. Um, health-wise, too. I mean, you think about – health. The entire team's health, yeah. Like, yeah. They, they, they didn't lose any – they had 22 of 22 starters in the Super Bowl. That's unheard of. Uh, so I think there's just going to be some natural regression to the mean. And it doesn't mean that Nick's not doing a good job. I, I think it'll tell us a lot about Nick, honestly. Uh to keep getting that buy-in level from his players when things don't go well, because everything went well last year. I mean, they were, they were juggernauts. So um, I, I think we all have to kind of temper expectations this year. They should be a good team. They still have a talented roster They have the best quarterback in the conference. They have a good head coach, but they have two new coordinators. They have a ton of new starters. They um, they're going to deal with more injuries. So I think those are the challenges. It, 
they happen to have like they're they're happening in year three i i don't know if year three matters as much as it's like this is what the situation they're in right now yeah um i'm with you regression to the mean i use that term all the time it's going to happen in a bunch of different areas and how they handle it he might do a better coaching job and win 11 games next year very possible yeah yeah um I, we mentioned a little bit about Edmonds, I, but I want to talk about the group as a whole, how he's gone through. He called it lottery tickets. So, you know, if you look at all the one-year guys, they signed for $2 million or less. Um, if I were to tell you one guy is the Powerball, potentially, who's that guy? And if one guy's the bar scratch-off, you know, it's not going to amount to anything. Who's that guy, Dave? The Powerball is Rashad Penny. Um, because at least we've seen him do it. Like he, he's a, a pro bowl caliber player can't stay on the field. And, and, and it'd be foolish to think that all of a sudden he's going to stay on the field here, but that's why he's a lottery ticket. Um, but at least with him, like we know when he's on the field, he's a very good player. Yes. Whereas the other guys, <laughs> it's like, we don't know. We just don't know what they're going to be long term. Um, but with him, if, I've been a big fan of his, so maybe I'm a little biased there. Uh, he's the Powerball. Man, the... I'm trying to think. Moro is like, you know what he is. He's not going to be great, but he, he at least played last year. He'll give you snaps. Um, who's the one I'm missing? So we have him, Greedy, Troy Brady, you got uh, uh, Justin Evans, who I think is a better fit for what the Eagles want to do yep. defensively, at least from a trade standpoint, but he hasn't, yeah. you know, he missed three years. I mean, and he was a backup last year. It's not like he yeah. started last year. At least Morrow started last year, played every snap. Um, I mean, Evans might be the one for me where I'm like, I don't know if this guy's going to be on the team. Yeah. And that's not like, well, I haven't seen him play yet, but uh, if I had to like pick one of the guys in that group that isn't going to be on the team, Probably Evans. Probably Evans. Yeah, Yeah. because I I think at least Greedy offers you some upside. Yeah. I was thinking Marcus Mariota won't go 0-2 like the uh, Eagles backup quarterback did this past year, Gardner Minshew. All right, Dave, don't know. We we may or may not ask you to come back before the draft. No, you're going to get busy. We'll probably ask, but you might not be able to come on because you get get that much busier when you get closer to the draft. So I'm going to put you on the spot right here, right now. Assuming, which is a massive assumption, because chances are the Eagles won't draft at either 10 or 30, that Howie will trade both picks, either up or down or, or sideways. But saying they stay at thirty, at 10 and 30, who do you think are the most likely guys to be picked in those two spots? Um, I'm going to not play your game. I'm going to say they're going to trade up from 10. All right, you, you're going to dictate terms. Good on you. Jalen Carter, then. It's got to be Jalen Carter, right? Well, I think Jalen Carter or Tyree Wilson. <laughs> Tyree Wilson, all right. Yeah, if they can go up, and and they have a track record of doing this, like they they'll they'll target a guy, they'll they'll trade up and get him. And I know that there's this thought that they need to like get more picks. They have a pretty talented roster. Like I don't know if if they draft all these players, they might not have room for them on the roster. So they got plenty of room on defense, Dave. They got to <laughs> replace five starters and. You know, they you do. can say Milton Williams will pencil in, Kobe Dean will pencil in. 
Yeah, but, but I mean, if if you you can target a guy like <laughs> Jalen Carter or, or Tyree Wilson, I think they'd do it. I, we've seen did it last year with Jordan Davis. They, right. they moved yeah. up a few picks because yeah. he fell into the range. I could see that happening again. And then if they still have the thirtieth pick, it's tough because I don't know what they're going to do. <clears throat> uh, say they take a defensive lineman there, I could That's see what you just said you dictated terms. You're taking a D lineman, so what's sure. left at thirty? And left at thirty. I'm going to have some fun. Big tight end from Georgia. Oh! No oh. shot. No chance. Why that not? Is, no chance. Is, I couldn't even is, start for Georgia. And you're going to take him in the first round? Ben Ness didn't start. Yeah. You're going to take him a 10? Yeah. No. That is, that is tremendous disrespect for the great Jack Stoll, Dave Zingaro. <laughs> well, I'm looking at, I look at this offense. I think they need one more pass catcher. Doesn't have to be a receiver. Yeah, it doesn't have to be a receiver. I don't think it should be I a receiver. I like it. Out of the box thinking. I like it. I Get like yourself it. that 12 personnel package some teeth. <clears throat> I like I it. Think, I it's think not going to happen. Kid, I, if I'm taking a tight end, I'd take the kid from Oregon State before I would take the kid from Georgia. Uh, the Utah kid's uh, probably the best tight end. He's going to be gone. Well, no, let me make it a question. Do you think any tight ends will be taken in the first 30 picks? Yeah, uh, I think the kid from Notre Dame is going. This is a this is a pretty good tight end draft. Yeah. Now, how about that, Dave? Take the kid from Notre Dame and let Dallas Goddard play the slot. Don't he, he's a great blocker. So if you want, you know, one of the things with Dallas Goddard, he does both so well, but he's such a good blocker at times. You 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 don't have him flexed out. You know what's funny? So I had this theory that I ran by Jason Michael last year about Dallas that um, I said, you know, I always wondered if his blocking ability has hurt his stats Yeah, because you got to keep him in line so much. And Jason Michael said, I actually don't think so. He said, I, I think that a lot of Dallas's opportunity in the past game comes because teams have to respect his blocking ability and then they can leak him out. Uh, which is that's why I like talking to these guys. They're a lot smarter right. than me. Yeah, right? yeah, stuff. Yeah, it was something yeah. that like I had never thought about in 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 those terms, where it's like, yeah, sometimes we ask them to stay in line and block, but that opens up things in the pass game for them because teams have to worry about that. Yeah, it's interesting that you opened my eyes. I didn't think about tight end. Now I'm starting to think about Michael Mayer because he can catch the football too. We've got so three more weeks. Let's keep the yeah. uh, you know we got to yeah. keep something to talk about. Yeah, All right. I like since, it. Since we're going down the road of the it just check the Eagles' track record, uh, and uh, if they haven't done it before, they'll never do it again. When was the last time they took a tight end in the first round? I don't know, but they've taken them. I mean, they took Dallas Goddard at 49. They took Zach Ertz yeah. in the second round. Like, it's well, not like they, they devalued they, they, they took Miles Sanders in the second round. They took Shady McCoy in the second round. But there's no freaking way they're taking B. John Robinson yeah, but in what's the first that? round because he'll never take a running back in the first round. Either it's differentiated between the first and second round or it's not. Well, it's differentiated between 10 and 30. I mean, that's a that, that, that's different. Yeah, that's different. inherently different. And the Eagles would have drafted Christian McCaffrey. They would have drafted him. And, things worked out. They got Derek Barnett. Yeah. Thanks. <laughs> they worked out well. You're Thank right. Thank you. D. Thank you uh, Follow Dave on Twitter. You see it there. At D. Zangaro. NBCS. I always screw that at. NBCS. Uh, read them. 
NBC Sports Philadelphia. Um, I saw, for those who don't know, Dave is our resident world traveler. Not too much the world since the pandemic. So where'd you go this year, Dave? Uh, I, I was out in Arizona for the uh, owners meeting. So I just uh, <laughs> I stayed out there for an extra week, did a little road trip. Nice. Uh, it was nice. Yeah, I went up to Grand Canyon and uh, Capitol Reef and Zion. So I, I packed in like seven days of just nonstop. But it was fun. Seven days. And was the best part getting to pet the llama at the owners <laughs> meeting? I did so not know fun. Kemsky took that photo. And then that photo ended up on television. Uh, but when you're at an NFL party and there are llamas there, you go pet one. That's true. And, and or if you've been drinking at that NFL party, you get caught no petting the llama. Uh, <laughs> and let it be on record, Dave Zangaro took an obligatory shot at uh, Derek Barnett, not me. Because 19 out of every 20 times, it's me. Yeah. Thank you, Dave, Dave uh, for, for letting Jody it be someone else Derek other than Barnett me. Yeah. Yeah. DZ, great stuff. Appreciate you coming on board. Thank you much. And like I said, we'll probably ask you on before the draft again. If you can do it, we'll appreciate having you. If we can't, we'll understand. Thanks for jumping in today. All right. Take care, guys. Thanks, Dave. Garrow, NBC Sports, Philadelphia. Appreciate him taking a Derek Barnett shot. All right, Johnny Mac coming back with Johnny Mac. Mac and Mac guys got to put a bow on the show here on Birch 365. Imagine for a moment that you went to work today, and when you came home, you were catastrophically injured. Your life and your family's life. That's what happened to union construction worker Mike Little. I was scared of what the end was going to be, but to be 100% honest with you, I knew I was going to be all right just by talking with Brian in my heart. I just knew everything was going to be all right. Call the firm and find out why they say, we got this. Call 215-458-2222. Here, imaginations run wild and time stands still. Because here, you can find the best of the Jersey Shore all on one five-mile island. So leave the old you behind and get lost in the woods. First Trust Bank is there for you. Because Philadelphia dreams deserve a Philadelphia bank. Go to get your game on. Go for the beers. Go for the cheers. Go for the hit and the hits. Go for the stakes and the stakes. Go to get your parlay on. Go to get your party on. Go for the scene. Go for the screens. 
go for the gallery. Go for the win. Go to Ocean. Visit theoceanac.com to plan your visit. Monday edition of Birds 365. Um, on the last player that uh, uh, Dave Zingaro mentioned, uh, chalk me up as a uh, non-Darnell Washington fan. If he goes in the first round, he will be overrated and overdrafted. I'll give you his numbers, John. 45 catches, 670 yards, and three touchdowns. And that's yeah, not this past uh... year. That's his entire three years at Georgia. I know you and I debate this from time to time. I am much more a production guy than you are. You, you, you'll uh, give in to physical capability. Yeah, he's a physical freak. That's what I said. He's all about projection. Uh, yeah, all about projection. But he's yeah. a physical freak. Now, that kid from Notre Dame, Michael Mayer, uh, he's like a finished product. I mean, that dude is just good. Um, and it's interesting, um, you mentioned mock drafts. Right during the break, Rick Saratella's latest mock draft delivered to my inbox. Um, he's got the Eagles taking Peter Skaronsky at number 10. Which That's what go he over. said with us here on the show last yeah. week. Probably, so, probably got Saratella. He's a man of his word. He brings his true opinions to Birds 365 yeah. and then puts them on his mock draft. Miles Murphy, number 30. Now, that would be a great pick. Murphy falling to 30? Yeah, that would no be chance. a great pick. No shot. I, I agree. I, I couldn't I wouldn't, couldn't possibly be more ecstatic if they got Miles Murphy at 30. No I agree. Chance. I agree. Uh, Dave's thought process was interesting because we've been talking about third receiver for a while. It is interesting. It is out of the box. It doesn't have to be, especially when you have um, Dallas Goddard. It doesn't have to be uh, a receiver, a wideout. It could be a tight end. So if you have a Washington who's a physical freak and you pair him up with Dallas Goddard, but I'd rather pair up Michael Mayer, but I don't think he'd get to 30, to be honest. It is a good tight end draft. And that yeah. other kid from Georgia. Oh, Bowers, <laughs> I want him next year. Yeah, next I'll year. I'll take him now. Can we – can we draft him yeah. wait a year, redshirt him, and not have him on the roster? Yeah. Oh, I'd go there with number 30 in a heartbeat. If he could get the USC quarterback and the Georgia tight end for next year, uh, you'll be cooking with some gas. Uh, exactly right. All right, brother. Uh, we got locked up. We got one uh, spot already in for tomorrow. I'm forgetting. Uh, we do. And uh, I don't have my calendar in front of me. So you right. know me. I'm. I can't. Remember. Then that's that's a good tease. We're gonna tell everybody <laughs> we'll have yeah, a guest that... tomorrow, one of which we know but can't think of at this very second. The other one we'll try. You and, are uh, right. That is a hell of a tease, Jody. McDonald. We'll get somebody booked between now and uh, eight o'clock tomorrow, and I'll be up and ready. I'm gonna go set my alarm. Oh, from a uh, great draft guy. Uh, there you go. Uh, uh, football uh, game plan. So we got a great draft guy, and we'll. Pair. 
So there, a little bit of a better tease. There you uh, go. Uh, actually, knowing who someone is is less of a tease, but uh, a little bit more uh, on point uh, informationally. Uh, again, thanks everybody who streamed in today. Johnny Mac, I'm back with you in 22 hours, whether you like it or not. I'm going to be here. My alarm's going to work. So you better show up. Are you in? Odd o'clock, baby. I'll be here. <laughs> McMullen will be here for sure. The Mac and Mac guys back on Birds 365 and 2 and 2. You've been listening to Birds 365, the destination for the passionate Eagles football fan who bleeds green. If it's Eagles football, we're talking about it. Debate inside the locker room and guests that are some of the greatest football minds from around the region. We hope you enjoyed the show. We know we had a blast. Make sure to like, comment, and subscribe. And we'll be back soon. But in the meantime, hook up with us on social media at Jacob Sports. See you next time on Birds 365. Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue. All in the Kroger app. Get three pound rolls of juicy 80% lean ground beef for $3.49 a pound with a digital coupon. Then get select varieties of flavorful Powerade, Body Armor Super Drink, or Arizona Tea for 77 cents each, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger, less than five miles away. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.